would need in our lives to have a great 2014. This month at Seacoast, we are looking at core issues that lie at the root of most of our daily activities. Because we believe if we can strengthen what matters most, the rest of life will fall into place. Well, good morning. It's good to see you today. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, right now uh, at other locations here in the Long Point Campus Chapel Warehouse, maybe uh, in one of the overflow areas also, and um, in, in, in our campuses and on the internet. We're glad that you guys are along uh, for the ride today. We are in a brand new series uh, for the new year called CORE, and uh, we're talking about strengthening kind of the core of who we are in order to have a better this year than last year. Last week we talked a little bit about, we're, we're talking about four key areas, and last week we talked about the spiritual area, you know, strengthening our spiritual core, and uh, we challenged you uh, with some goal things, just to set some goals in uh, what, we're, uh, what we're talking about, and I know that almost all of you did that. Yeah, you know, I, I know that. I just, I just know that you're better than the, the, you know, the 95% that don't have written values and, and goals out there. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Uh, whatever. Okay, so, so we're excited about that. This week, we're going to talk about uh, one of the really, really big ones that impact all of us. We're going to talk about our finances and our financial core. Now, let me ask you some questions before I begin. First of all, well, let's just give you a scenario. Let's give you a scenario. Let's suppose that this week you went to your favorite uh, coffee shop, coffee store, uh, coffee house in order to meet a friend, and the friend is a little bit late, and so you're sitting at a table, and you're cradling your favorite coffee. You've got a little pastry there, and you, um, you're cruising the internet, looking at a website on your smartphone, okay? You've been there, right? Been there. Okay, let's, let's jump out of that situation and look at nine critical financial decisions that you made that led up to that moment, Okay? Let me ask you some questions. Why did you go out? Why did you go? Why did you go there? Why did you choose that particular place? How did you get there, and how are you going to get home? What was your mode of transportation? Why did you choose the, the particular drink that you have, and why did you choose to get a pastry? Why do you have a smartphone? What kind of smartphone do you have? Why do you have the smartphone that you do? Why do you use the service provider that you're using? And why do you have the particular plan that you have? There's nine right there. And I'm not even talking about why are you wearing the clothes that you have? Why did you choose the shoes that you have? I mean, there's tons of financial decisions that, impact, that, that are impacted even subconsciously by our financial values and our financial vision. And maybe you didn't even know that you had that. Am I saying that that's all wrong? No. In fact, if you thought it through, if you really, really backed up, which I'm hopefully going to help you to do just a little bit today, and you thought it through, you'd probably choose to do maybe seven, maybe five of the same things that you did because it's just a part of what you do. But most of the time, we don't even think about it. And it impacts who we are 
and it impacts our financial core. Now, before we talk about money, and I, I've got a lot of things I want to talk about. I'm excited about this subject this weekend. Money is so much more than just giving. We'll talk about giving as a, as a piece of it, but it, it, it incorporates our entire being. I've got more than I can share with you this week. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a blog post this week, and I'm going to call it like leftovers from Sunday. And I'll have a bunch of links to things that will help you, I think, in very, especially as it relates to debt and some other things. Uh, I'll have some links on that. But before we get into what I want to talk about, let's, okay, I, let's do a quiz with you. I need to know where you are in your financial knowledge. Okay, so let, let's do this. I've got some questions. They're going to be right here on my screen. Number one, uh, who or what is pictured on the back of a penny? Abraham Lincoln, the Lincoln Memorial, the Lincoln Bedroom, or the Lincoln Continental? All right. Is it A, B, C, or D? Which is it? Yeah, it's B. All right, good. Yeah, if you don't know, don't yell real loud because it'll be embarrassing to you. Okay, let's go to the next one. Who or what is depicted on the front and back of a 50? Andrew Jackson in the White House, Harry Truman and his daughter on the piano, Ulysses S. Grant in the U.S. Capitol, or Michael Jackson and Lady Gaga? Which, which one? It's not D. Okay, it's not D. I made that one up. Which one is it? It's C. It's C. Okay, let's go to the next one. What is, it's, okay, it's playoff weekend. I was going to wear my Peyton Manning shirt. I thought I'll save that till next week. Hopefully, okay. So what is the average NFL quarterback salary? Anybody have any idea? A lot. lot. More than I make, okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. 1.99 million. A little over 1.9. You you know how much Peyton Manning makes? About 20 million, and you don't. Okay. All right, let's go on. If you invested $1,000 in Apple stock in 1980, how many of you did that? Most of you missed it. How much would it be worth today? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Million dollars? Three million. Three million. Okay. Three million. Thousand dollars. Wow. Average, this is a little depressing, average credit card debt per household. Huh? What do you think? Fifteen. Fifteen thousand dollars. Average credit card. Hey, here's the good news. You're only paying about 16 to 17% interest average on that. Okay. Average student loan debt, $32,000. $32,000. That's a racket. That's a whole nother message. Okay, let's go on. Oh, my goodness. Now, before I give you, don't give us the answer on this yet. Average cost of a wedding. Let me tell you a horror story, okay? I have four kids. Uh, first one that was married was Joshua, Lisa. Lisa's family owned a construction company. And, of course, the bride's family usually pays a lot of the, the deal. And, uh, and uh, they, they sold a piece of equipment to have a really nice wedding. And so I had my, I had my two daughters with me who would someday be married. And um, we're walking around this wonderful, wonderful setting. I said, I want to take you over here to this particular thing that was going on. I said, I want you to look at this because th- this is Disney World. This is not going to happen for you, okay? (laughs) I don't have pieces of equipment. Nobody buys my books. And so this is not going to happen for you, all right? And so I set an absolutely outrageous, but $5,000 what I set. And that's great. Yeah, amen, yeah. You're delirious. (laughs) 
Now, it didn't cost me what the average cost was, but it cost me plenty. Here's the average cost, $25,000. Whoa! Yeah, that hurts. Okay, let's go to the next one. True or false, 5% of lottery ticket buyers buy 51% of all the tickets sold. Think about that a minute. 5% by 51%. It's true. It's true. Wow. Okay, let's go to the next one. This will make you sick. True or false, the flu virus can survive outside the body for an average of 48 hours, but it can live on a dollar bill for five days. True or false? It's false. It can live for 10 days. That's why we put our money in offering boxes. Okay, all right, let's go on. Let's go on. What's the next one? What's the next one? Money can make you happy. (laughs) Money can make you happy. I think it's false. Uh, Money gives you options. Money gives you options. As somebody said, people who think money can't buy happiness must not know where to shop. You know, it could be true. Um, somebody else said money may not be everything, but it does keep you in touch with your children. Now, if you know that, that that's true. Money does give you options, it does. And that's why some of the principles we're going to talk about here uh, can help the quality of your life. But it doesn't make you happy. Um, uh, in fact... Uh, there are more, more, more conflict over money than anything else. More conflict in relationships, marriages. We can tell all kinds of stories on that. Um, and here's what's interesting. The Bible says the way you handle your money determines how much God can bless your life. The way you handle your money determines how much God can bless your life. Luke 16 and verse 11 says, if you've not been trustworthy, Jesus says this, In handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? You haven't been trustworthy in the pile that you have, in handling worldly wealth. Then who, God certainly won't, trust you with true riches? He says finances are a test of character. Now, there are three uh, uh, very important, crucial questions about finances. I think they're on your outline sheet. Let me give them to you real quick. Three important questions. Number one is, what is your financial vision? What is your financial vision? In other words, where do you think God wants you to be in the future financially? Proverbs 29 and verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no financial vision, people live paycheck to paycheck. Couples fight over their finances regularly. And people dig major, major holes. So what's your vision? What's your financial vision? Is your financial vision to struggle financially all your life, maybe to have to work several jobs, maybe depend on the government, you know, whatever whatever it happens to be. We know that various times in our lives we find ourselves in some of those places. I can remember early on with us, we depended on the women, infant, and children program that the government had. We didn't have any money. But is that your vision forever? Or is your vision maybe to be debt-free someday? Uh, to be able to, to give and to enjoy blessings and maybe even to have whatever job that you want to or maybe not even have to have a job to do what you want to do. What is your financial vision? One day, uh, a few years ago, Debbie and I were driving to Atlanta, Georgia. 
we drive together. Uh, we just enjoy hanging out, and so we'll do that every once in a while. And I had something I had to do in Atlanta, and she said, I'll go along. So, so we're driving to Atlanta, and I don't know if anybody else has ever done this. Uh, to get to Atlanta from Charleston, you take I-26 to Columbia, then you take 20 from Columbia to Atlanta. Has anybody ever missed the 20 exit in Columbia? We're talking along, and, and we get out of, out of uh, Columbia, and Debbie said, this doesn't look like the right way. I looked around, sure it's the right way. And I'm thinking, it doesn't look like the right way. <laughs> and uh, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking this. I'm thinking, okay, what do I do here? What do I do? What do I do? My choices are turn around, backtrack about 10 or 15 miles, get on the right way and go. But I'm thinking, you know, I think that you can get to Atlanta through Greenville. And Greenville, ultimately, if you go up 26, you can. Here's what I want to tell you. You can do that. But it will cost you hours <laughs> of your life. You can just plow ahead or it'll cost you hours. Financially, some of us are, are, are on, a, on a road that we need to turn around, backtrack a little bit, and get on the right, right way. Or you can just plow right ahead. And if you plow right ahead, it won't cost you hours. It will cost you years of your life. And so need to have vision. What is your financial vision? Here's the second question. What is your financial values? What is your values? Last week we looked at this, this verse, Job uh, 34 and verse 4. It says that we should choose to follow what is right, but first of all we must de define among ourselves what is good. See, before we can talk about uh, how you want to spend your money, you've got to answer the question, what matters most in life? What are your values? What are your desires? What matters most in life? If you start with what you want, you'll just run up credit cards to get there. You need to go, okay, what matters most? And then let's talk about what we want and how we get there. So important to make a list uh, to define your values. Very few people do this. Make a list of what's important to me. What's important to our family? I'm, I'll give you some things. These don't necessarily have to be yours, but they could stimulate some thinking on it. Maybe your values are pleasing God, pleasing God. I, I would hope that that's, be great if it's at the top, should be, but I hope, it's, I hope it's up there for you. Or maybe your spirituality, or maybe your health is a value, or family, or making a difference, or fun. It's okay to have fun. Write it down. We want our family to have fun. That's a value. It's great. Relationships, value. Education, security, generosity. I listed about 10 of them. What you need to do is take about three or four, just three or four. List three or four words, three or four things. Somebody today, uh, just before I came in, said, you know, God gave me three words this year. And we have more values than that, but these are the three that we're going to concentrate on this year. Maybe you want to take three or four values and decide that your money is going to be the vehicle that allows you to live out your values. Money's not bad in and of itself. It's love of money that's the root of all evil, money can be a value or, or can be a vehicle to live out the values that you're having in your life. Values determine your vision. We said that last year or last week. Uh, desires determine your direction. What is important and what really matters? Let me give you some examples. Let's say that pleasing God, that's one of the values that we have, is a value. Making a difference in the world is a value. And if you, like I do, believe in the vision of Seacoast Church. This is not just a place where I pastor. I believe in the vision. Somebody last night said, I love this church. I said, I do too. Love the people in it. Love the direction. Love the vision. Love the values. 
I want to help start more campuses. I, I really believe that new church plants, campuses, is the way to reach more and more people, to change people's lives for their good and for the gospel's sake. And I love what we're doing around the world. I'm going to Nicaragua, not this week, but next week during the middle of the week. Um, I'm going to be speaking in Orlando, going to jump from there down to Nicaragua and dedicate a, 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 a part of a hospital that you guys are helping to, to build. I love doing that stuff. I love this church. I laid out for you a few weeks ago a vision for the next two years. It was an aggressive vision. Some of you think I was crazy, and I probably was. But there was a percentage. I, I wished it was everybody. It wasn't. About 25% of the people here said, we're going to sacrifice, we're going to do whatever it takes because that's a value for us. And, and uh, committed $6 million, about 25% of the goal that we had. Now, that's a lot of money. That's great. We're not going to be able to do all the projects that we talked about. What we're going to do is we're going to tackle the smaller ones uh, first, some of the smaller ones. And I'm believing that, that we're going to somehow, some way, be able to tackle all the things that we, that we talked about earlier. But the, the people that are making that kind of commitment, they're, they're doing some things differently. They're, they're, they're using their, uh, their resources to live out their values. One guy we talked to uh, said, uh, uh, he said, for the last few years, I've been aggressively saving, or, or here's what he said. He said he was praying, God, what, what do you want me to do uh, in, in the next campaign for the next couple of years, and and he said, the Lord seemed to say to him, for the last few years, we've been aggressively saving, I've been, you've been aggressively saving for your future retirement. For the next two years, I want you to invest in somebody else's future. I thought, wow, that's powerful. That's living out your values. Others, you know, they're packing a lunch in in order to save a little bit of money or setting aside the the cost of coffee, because values, pleasing God, a value of, of reaching people through this church is important. Maybe you believe in a value of kids' education, kids' education. I know that was a big one for Debbie and I. We made major sacrifices so our kids could be exposed to certain kind of education. Um, uh, And for us, it was Christian education. And it doesn't have to be for everybody. Don't, you know, don't lay on somebody that because you homeschool your kids, everybody should. Or that you put your kids in Christian school, everybody should. Or that you do this. No, you, God has a plan for each family. You do what you do. And ours was Christian education. Uh, but it costs a lot of money. Four kids. I mean, we had, you know, four kids in five years. Uh, Surratts do that. It's just a multiplication thing. It's just unbelievable. So how are we going to do this? Well, here's what we did. We drove old cars. Old, old. Can you say old? Old, not antique. Antiques are nice. Old's just junk. We drove junk. I would come to a, an appointment with you, and you would be in Paris, and I was your pastor driving that. We wore old, out-of-fashion clothes. I still wear out-of-fashion clothes, but the, some of them are newer. Uh, but we drove, we, we, we did that. I, we made other sacrifices. I, I was at a basketball game this week with somebody who's probably here in this service. And, um, and we were talking about, you know, where the, he went to high school and his brothers. And it happened to be the same school that my boys went to. And uh, he played ball there. And he, we were talking about their, their teams. He said that, you know, they had good ones and bad ones and all that. And it rises and falls with talent and with coaching. And uh, he said, how were the teams when your boys were? I said, they weren't bad. He said, how was the coaching? I said, it was really poor. It was really bad. He said, well, who was the coach? And he said, it was me. You know, I, I, I didn't know anything about coaching. I went and I got books out of the library. I'm smart. I can study stuff. Never played basketball. But I thought, they will give me a, a discount on my education and they need a coach. I can do that. Now, coaching is an incredibly difficult job. If you're a coach here, people say pastoring is hard. Mm, not as hard as coaching. Okay. Uh, uh, and, but we did that. We did that. Because our value was 
education, a Christian education for our kids, we figured out how to do it. So what is your financial vision? What is your financial values? Here's the third question. What is your financial plan? What is your financial plan? You've got to have vision and values, but you've, you need a plan. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says a little bit about that plan. It says, good planning and hard work leads to what? Prosperity. Prosperity is not a, a dirty word. I want to be prosperous. I want you to be prosperous. What is prosperity? Prosperity is having your needs met and enough left over to meet other people's needs. I think that's a biblical definition of prosperity. I want to be prosperous. I want to have my needs met, and I want to have plenty left over to meet other people's needs. And I want that for you. And he says there's, there's some key things in order to do that. You've got to have good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. So here's what I want to do. For the rest of our time, I've got five principles. I believe so strongly in these principles that if, if we will implement these five principles and in the proper order, and I'll talk to you about that as the very last thing, these five principles, I believe you can be prosperous. I believe that God wants you to be prosperous, okay? And so here are the five principles that we need to implement in strengthening your financial core. Number one is work hard. He says work hard, work hard. The Bible says that we were created to work. Work is not a part of the curse. Work will be harder because of the curse. But in the beginning, God said, here's the garden. Here's the animals. Here's all, all of creation. I want you to steward it. I want you to manage it. I want you to work it. Work is a part of what we were created to do. That's why when we do good work, when things go well, when we work hard, there is endorphins, there's feelings, there's stuff that's created within us that, that creates a payoff. In the New Testament, it says this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to everybody. No, we command them. He said, this isn't a suggestion, So I'm commanding you, settle down and get to work. Earn your own living. There were some freeloaders in the early church. They were too spiritual to work. We've got a few of those here. I'm just waiting on God to provide. He did. He gave you a brain and a body. Put them to work. Or I'm waiting for my ship to come in. If you work at the terminal, that's a good thing to do. Elsewise, get a job. (laughs) You are probably a part of the 5% that invests 51% in the lottery. Lottery's a wonderful thing. You're not going to win it. Okay? Don't speak evil. I, I just told the truth. We had a guy in our church in Illinois that won the lottery didn't change his lifestyle a bit. That's all I'll say about that. I'm waiting for my ship to come in. Swim out to it. Thessalonians says, get to work. Now, uh, in fact, he says, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Now, it doesn't say if you can't work. There, There are people that can't work. And the church ought to be able to take care of that. It's not what it's saying. There are seasons of time, man, we just went through a financial downturn, and some of you in the industry that you're in, it still isn't out of it. Okay? And uh, if you're looking for work and doing your best, and our church does the best to help, there's a group that formed a missional community called, uh, uh, 
gosh, restart, that's what it is. And a couple of times a year they do a big event. It's awesome and teaching you how to prepare yourself and there are a lot of great testimonies that come out of that. And, and here, here's a, you know, there are seasons in your life where maybe you can't work, it's not possible. Don't feel guilty, that's not what it's talking about. But for the most part, most of us, we just need to work, work hard, okay, work hard. Here's the second principle, strengthening your financial core. Plan wisely, plan wisely. Get financial goals, plan financial goals, and then stick with them. Don't fumble through this year like you fumbled through last year, okay? Proverbs 27 and verse 23 says, riches can disappear fast. So watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and herds. How many of you have flocks and herds? One guy last night raised his hand. I said, don't bring them to church with you. Now, back then, they, lots of them had flocks and herds. But we have bank accounts, okay? We have, um, we have responsibilities. Some of us have uh, own businesses. And he says, know, understand, know the state. The starting point is keep good records. Keep good records. Just a simple thing. Say, I just don't know where the money goes. If you just don't know where the money goes, you're not keeping good records, Proverbs 23 and verse 23 says, get the facts at any price and hold on tightly to all the good sense that you can get. Be realistic about where we are. Where are we really, okay? Ignorance plus easy credit equals disaster. So you need to know, where are you? If you don't know where you are, you'll pile on debt, trouble's coming. So here's four things you need to know. You need to know what, what you own. What do I own? What do I own what do I owe, what do I owe, what do I earn, and where is it going? What do I own, what do I owe, what do I earn, and where is it going? And if you're married, both spouses need to know this stuff. This is a real problem. Hey, this is the truth. This is a reality week, okay? Reality week, newsflash, you're going to die. You just are. If Jesus doesn't come, you're going to die at some point. If you're married, Probably not at the same time. And I've seen situations like this. We don't want to think about it. But one spouse who handled all the finances dies, and the other one goes, I have no idea what we owe, what we own, what we earn. I have no idea any of that stuff. With Debbie and I, I've got a file. And uh, it's called the death file. Because I handle, she does the day-to-day. I handle the big picture. of. That's just the way we're wired. And, um, and so um, I've, got a, I've got a death file. If I die, here's the will, here's what we owe, here's what we own, here's everything is right here so that you can go to that. Just simple, practical stuff. If you don't have that, that'd be a, that'd be a homework assignment to do that so that, or have that conversation about what we own, owe, earn, and where it's going. And there are computer programs, and I'll put some of those on a website later on a, on a blog post uh, that are available to help you with all that. You say, well, I don't have time for all of that. But you do have time to worry about your finances, right? Well, if you take a little time doing this, you can spend less time doing that. Uh, Proverbs 21.5 says, plan carefully and you'll have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. Financial freedom is not determined by how much you make. It's determined by how you spend it. If you don't have a plan, your yearning will always exceed your earnings and you'll always be in debt. Somebody said that money is like uh, mo- uh, money in the bank is like toothpaste in a tube. 
Get this picture. It's easy to take out and it's hard to put back. Would you agree with that? Look at this next verse. The next verse is God's IQ test. Stupid people. Circle the word stupid. (laughs) Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Somebody said, we don't use the word stupid in our family. And you probably shouldn't, but God uses it about these kind of people. He says, if you spend all of your money as quick as you get it, you're not bright. Okay? Spending can be like any other addiction. Maybe we need to have, and we do, have support groups for, um, you know, Shoppers Anonymous or whatever. Uh, one impulsive buyer to keep from, like, just getting the credit card out and doing whatever they want to do. They know that they got a problem with it. They keep their credit cards in a bowl of ice in a freezer. They freeze them in a bowl. Some of you are saying microwave, you know, but no, no. So how do you break the habit of impulsive spending? It's called B-U-D-G-E-T. It's a dirty word. I didn't say it out loud. Budgeting is simply planning your spending. It's telling your money where you want it to go rather than wondering where it went. If you want to control impulsive spending, you've got to nip it in the budget. Okay, so homework. Uh, Write out a family budget. And you can be very, very simple. This is how we're going to spend our money. Strengthening your core. Work hard. Plan wisely. Uh, Let me give you a third key principle. And that's invest consistently. Invest consistently. The wise man saves for the future, it says. Now, here's what will blow that one. If you base your lifestyle on what everybody around you has, you will never save. You look around, you say, well, everybody around, you know, everybody in the office is driving this, you know. Or everybody's doing this, or they live here, or they have this kind of birthday party, or whatever it happens to be. You will never get ahead if you base it on what other people are doing. You know, somebody said uh, about the time, uh, you know, you try to keep up with the Joneses and about the time you catch them, they refinance. You know, it just blows everything. <laughs> and somebody else said that if the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, the water bill is higher. Okay, that's just, you just gotta look at all of those things. You'll never get ahead. So you've gotta invest in, you've, got, you've gotta save money. Proverbs 13 and verse 11 says, money that comes easily disappears, but money that is gathered little by little will grow. Just investing, just saving little by little. In fact, I think that you, you, we, we need to learn to save. Somebody taught me this principle um, about 27 years ago, something like that, that if you'll save it up little by little, uh, it'll grow. In fact, you need three investment goals. Number one, you need savings goals, savings goals. Uh, saving for various things, saving for retirement years. Debbie and I, 27 years ago, we weren't making a lot of money at all. And somebody said, if you put just a little bit away, showed me the principle of compound interest, that it grows over time. Years and years from now, it'll grow, and it'll grow, and it'll grow, and it's been an amazing thing. We've taught it to our kids. We've taught it to our employees at Seacoast and in Challenge, all of them. It doesn't have to be a lot, but put a little bit away. Don't spend it all. Pay yourself, you know, pay yourself quickly uh, before you do the other stuff and, and it'll grow. Saving for retirement years. Saving for emergencies. Does anybody ever have emergencies? Crazy emergency. The car breaks down. I thought they made those things last forever. But they don't. Did you know that tires wear out about every 40, 50, 60,000 years? Years. Uh, miles. <laughs> and so you, you, you figure that and save for it a little bit. And, you know, for, for emergencies. And then uh, save for uh, uh, spending goals. Spending goals. Uh, you got to have spending goals, saving for purchases, things that you want, fun things, 
You know, it's okay to have fun things as long as you're not mortgaging the future and uh, short-circuiting other people and God. Uh, Do fun things, uh, college, whatever. And then, and then you need giving goals, number three. That's the three investment goals, savings goals, spending goals, and giving goals. Work hard, plan consistently, invest wisely. And I want to give you the, the fourth one is give generously. Here's where the giving goals come in. Give generously. Now, most of you know about this. You know about tithing. You know about what God says about generosity. But I want to just do a review for just a few minutes in this particular point because there, there are new people among us. And it's good for all of us to review from time to time. God says this. God owns it all, and you're a steward of it. You manage God's money. And he says the first 10% of my earnings goes back to him to honor him as being number one in my life. In fact, he says it in Malachi 3.10. He says, bring to my storehouse. The storehouse is a local church. Storehouse isn't FCA. The storehouse isn't, you know, a missions organization. Those are all good things. Need to give to them. We do. But the storehouse is a local church. He says, Bring to my storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. Test me in this, says the Lord. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessing you need. Now, either God's a liar or he's not. And this is the only place in the Bible, only place in the Bible, where he says, I dare you. I dare you. You try this and see if I'm not true. You try this and see if it doesn't work. In fact, I challenge people. I've been doing it for 25 years, especially at the first of the year is a great time. Uh, take the tithing test. Do it for 90 days and see if God's a liar or if he's true. If he's a liar or if he's true. I've had people in the four years before this message, during this series, into last year say, I tried it. We, we do it. It's an amazing thing. God is, God, God is faithful. And he says, test me on this. In fact, I think you can prove the reality of God. By, by just testing him in this particular uh, area. Now, why does he say 10%, not 5% or 2%? He can say anything he wanted to. It's all his. I don't know. I'll ask him that someday. But he says 10%. It all belongs to him. Just give him 10%. Now, I, here's three reasons why I, th- why I think he says to do it. Number one, it's an act of gratitude. It reminds me of where it came from. It's all God's. Anything I have is God's. Now, does God need my money? Oh, that's crazy. No, it's God of the universe. He doesn't need my money. What he needs is what my money represents. See, we are so intricately tied to our resources and to our money. In fact, in fact, people get nervous. It just got really quiet in here when I started to talk about this. People get nervous when you talk about money. Some of you are very nervous right now because, because, uh, the most sensitive nerve in your body is the one that goes from your heart to your bank account. That's the most sensitive nerve that you have. But it's an act of, it's an act of, of gratitude. In, in tithing, I recognize God's blessing in my life. So it's an act of worship. That's why we have it during our worship time. Okay? Um, it's also an act of priority. It, it proves where my priorities are. Uh, it, uh, it, it, you know, if you say, well, God's first place in my life, and if he's not first place in your money, you're kidding yourself. It proves where, where your priorities are. It's an act of priority. And then it's an act of faith, act of faith. More promises are given in, uh, toward this particular uh, thing than anything else. Uh, why? Because God wants to teach you to be a giver. He wants you to be generous in everything you do. God is generous, and he wants you to be like him. And when you tithe, you say, God, I trust you to provide for me on 90% 
of my income. Now, I don't do any, I don't teach anything that I don't, uh, that I don't practice myself. I, you know, or or I'll, I'll put up the deal and go, hey, this is something I'm trying to do, but I'm not there yet. Debbie and I have been practicing. This has been a priority for us uh, for 30-some years. Um, I, I, I can remember uh, we, we, were, we were in debt. <laughs> we didn't have anything when somebody taught me this principle. You're, are you saying, well, you ought to tithe when you're in debt or should you wait till you're out? No, I think you do it when you're in debt because you need God's blessing. There have been times where I thought that I could have used the other 10% during the education years for the kids. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, 10%, that, that would help. Or when cars blew up, or when hospital bills came, and we've had some big ones. But we chose no. We're not going to rob God. Malachi says don't rob God in this particular area because we wanted his blessing. And God has been faithful. We're blessed. I'm a prosperous guy. I've got, got my needs met and enough uh, for others around me. We've practiced all five of these principles. I'm just going to give you a, a time out because some of you are going right now. Yeah, you're prospering. You know, hey, here's the deal. I do the numbers, you know. This huge, large church, you make a ton of money. Let me just talk to you about that just a minute. I make a reasonable salary. Uh, but um, we did a megachurch. Megachurch is 2,000 people or more, and there's like 4,000 of them in America. And uh, they do salaries, or they, they do uh, surveys where they find out all kinds of things. And we participated in a survey a couple of years, megachurch survey. And they said, if you'll participate in the survey, at the end, we'll give you all the numbers that we found out. And so we did. And there were a lot of different numbers. In the salaries of megachurch pastors, uh, your pastor was the lowest paid megachurch pastor in America, okay? Lowest paid megachurch pastor in America. I choose to be that because I want to address the issues that I'm talking about right now. Either they work or they don't. I've seen situations where they talk prosperity, 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 and you look at the pulpit, and that's where all the prosper goes, okay? I, I'm a normal guy. I make a, a reasonable salary. But we practice these things, and we have been practicing them since we made almost nothing, okay? So the, the deck's not stacked. Either God is faithful or he's not. I wish that we talked about this more because it's such a blessing to people. You say, well, I'm, I'm broke. I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to. The best time to start is when you are in debt. Either you dig your way out your way or you dig your way out God's way. Um, which do you think that he will bless? It comes down to a matter of choice. He says, test me on this. Proverbs uh, 3 and verse 9 says, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all of your income and he will fill your barns to overflow. So whatever you want God to bless in your life, put him first. If you want him to bless your finances, put him first. If you want him to bless your relationships, put him first. If you want him to bless your career, put him first. Your family, whatever it is, put him first. So you work hard, plan consistently, invest wisely, give generously. Let me give you the final principle. Live gratefully. Live gratefully. Ecclesiastes 6 and verse 9 says, it is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. Got to be satisfied with what you got. Enjoy what you got. If God has blessed you in various ways, you know, and you got nice stuff, don't feel guilty about that. Enjoy it, but don't be always wanting the next season, the next thing. Because if you do, it'll sabotage the whole thing. I see it. It goes in several phases. Phase number one, your yearnings out. Uh, exceed your, your earnings. I want this, but I can't afford it. And phase two, you get overextended financially because there's usually a way that you can get it. 
Phase three, then you got to hustle to make ends meet. And then phase four, your family life begins to deteriorate because all we're doing is we are working toward what we thought would make us happy and it's just making us frustrated. Everybody's uptight, okay? You say, well, this is temporary. Things will slow down. Wrong. It will slow down when we decide, I'm gonna enjoy what I got. I'm not gonna feel guilty about what I got. If God has provided me with plenty, it's great, but I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn to like what I have. Hebrews 13 and verse 5 says, be content with what you have. Learn to enjoy what you have. Now, when you're talking to a crowd like this, there are many, many of us who have a hard time making ends meet. And and so that's the challenge. On the other end, there are people that, uh, for whatever reason, that um, it's easier to make ends meet. They have more than enough. And let me talk to you just for a minute. If you have more than enough, you need to learn the principle of enough. Now, I learned this principle of enough. Uh, Ironically, uh, during my senior year of high school, I was a wrestler. I wrestled for years and years and years. And... After, and and I, I weighed naturally in high school 145 pounds. Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> I, I wrestled at, uh, they don't let you do this anymore. Uh, they, they, they've changed all the rules and it's a good thing because I ruined my kidneys doing this. But they, uh, they, they I, I would wrestle on Saturday or on Thursday. We wrestled twice a week on Thursday and Saturday. I'd wrestle on Thursday at 126 and at, on Saturday at 119, Okay. And then I'd, I'd eat my way through the weekend, come back at about 1.35, not eat during the week, get down to 1.26 on Thursday, 1.19 on Saturday. So I starved during the entire wrestling season. I remember my last match was in the state tournament when I was a senior. And when that match was over, I began to dream. <laughs> I had a vision. I had a vision of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I loved peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and I could not eat them during the wrestling season. I had a dream of not just one, I had a dream of a stack (laughs) of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And so when everybody else went to sleep, I made a stack of them like this. I believe there's one, two, three, four, there's five, I had seven. There's five of them here. Made a stack of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And later that night, I learned the principle of this scripture. If you find honey, don't eat too much or it will make you throw up. I learned the principle of enough. Jesus' last story, Jesus tells a sobering story, a parable about enough. He tells a story about a farmer who, today we'd relate it to a guy who invests in the stock market, and he had bumper crop after bumper crop after bumper crop, great years, and after a home run harvest, he sticks his chest out and he says, I'm gonna tear down all my barns, I'm gonna build new ones. I'm gonna eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus says that night his soul was required of him. In other words, he died. In the rest of the parable, Jesus refers to this guy as a rich fool. He never learned when enough was enough. He never learned to draw finish lines and move on to other pursuits besides just money. As I read that story this week, I thought, I hope nobody at Seacoast ever gets called a rich fool someday. 
I hope we're wise enough to know when a certain amount of earning is enough. I hope we're wise enough to know when certain amount of acquiring is enough. I hope we're wise enough to know when a certain amount of saving or investing is enough and beyond a certain level, the Holy Spirit determines that level for each of us and last week we determined that we are not the Holy Spirit for anybody else. So don't look at somebody else and say, boy, they have enough. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit determines that for everybody, okay? We should then set our sights on higher things, leverage everything that we have beyond a certain point to advance God's purposes in the world. So that's it. So five principles, five principles. Now, five things you can do with your money. I'll put it in a little, very easy uh, way. You can earn it, you can spend it, you can repay it, you can save it by repay, that's bills, or you can, and you can give it. Those are the five things. Would you agree with that? That's what I've been talking about. This is the basic order that most people do it in too, right here. Order is important. This is the order that most people do it in. They earn it, they spend it, they repay it, they save it, and they give it. So there's less to save, less to give. Now, some people do it this way. Watch this, this is cool. They spend it, and then they earn it. That's called the government, okay? They spend it, <laughs> then they earn it, repay it, save it, and give it. That's not what God blesses. You want God's blessing on your finances? It's gotta be in the right order. Here's how he blesses it. First of all, you earn it, and then you give it, you give God the first 10% and test him on that, and then you save it, you pay yourself first after you pay God, and then you repay it, and then you spend it and live on what what you've got there. Does that make sense? I believe that if we'll practice these principles and do them in the right way, that God will make this year more prosperous, or maybe it will take you two or three years, but God will prosper you so that you'll have enough for you and enough to bless others that's left over. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for uh, what your, your word says about our finances and this core principle. God, I pray that you would bless us now Uh, with a spirit of just honesty and integrity and a desire to be coached and a desire to learn. And uh, so we're gonna offer it to you. In your name we pray, amen, amen.